execute Order 66. Yes, Lord Sidious. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. That's right, it is episode 66 of For Christ's Sake Anakin. I'm your host, Matthew Nugabauer, coming to you live to air. I believe it's been sunny and warm here in suburban Toronto, Ontario, Canada. It is Friday, November 6th, 2020. Uh, the Friday in the Octave of All Saints, if you're counting otherwise known as the, the Friday after the 22nd Sunday after Pentecost, although Sunday happened to be the Feast of All Saints. Uh, I suppose I should do an, or, uh, uh, an Order 66 episode, but you know I realized so much of this podcast has been devoted to delving into the implications of that pivotal event in galactic history, what it means, how it relates to the rise of secularism in our world, uh, the decline of the church's own legitimacy, all that stuff. In lots of backish episodes, including the last week, last week's one. So now I figured I'd just do a special little opening. Got to mark it somehow, given that it it starts kicks off the third act in the greatest third act in cinematic history of the greatest film in cinematic history. I will take that opinion to my grave <laughs> i am joined as always by r2d2 and my water bottle i'll take a swig and he is excited i'm not talking specifically about order 66 today but uh canon discontinuities miscontinuities um different times where different books haven't necessarily lined up with things on screen all that Talking about going to a few examples and what do I think about that? Um, but first, got the uh, the pull list, and as promised, and I think I tweeted once uh, this past week or last week or so, um, Undiscovered Country number nine. I've mentioned this book before by Charles Sewell and Scott Snyder. I got to keep mentioning it because the uh, this last issue we were we're in this kind of basically Portland. Uh, and it's very high tech and whatnot. And, and I, I may have mentioned the ceiling where the entire United States is sealed off. But now we re it's revealed there's a second ceiling in which all the different regions end up being sealed off from each other. And in light of the election and how narrowly divided it is and how clearly, you know, I, I'm going to put my cards on the table here. There's one side and there's two sides one side is i do believe genuinely welcoming of all faith no faith black white queer straight <laughs> whatever one side is very fearful and entrenched uh, of losing its privilege and power we do need to learn to listen when i was in rural alberta i had to learn to listen to those voices that are fearful of a world that is diversifying listen not necessarily give in to their conclusions but listen to people definitely of course listen to uh, black voices and queer voices and in latinx voices and uh people of color generally and, and again diversity <laughs> with diversity listen to their stories and their voices coming together and and the problem uh, that America faces right now is is 
they don't really know how to listen very well, at least again. I think one side tends to listen to the other, but the fact that we're talking about sides, that's that's cards on the table there. You know where I, what I think, and you know where I stand, and I haven't uh, pulled back on that. Um, but it's an interesting reflection and a good reminder. You know, we we always, I think we always do well uh, on this note to not be people who build walls either. Um, I think there's some do some people need to build walls of protection because they are in danger, but the way I understand my own white male privilege is okay. It is safe for me to go out into more conservative spaces, especially in the church, and uh, listen, not agree, uh, and hopefully make an appeal and convince people to uh, to come together and and listen to these voices that are on the margins that do have a voice that we just need to learn to listen to them. So an important lesson, important warning there. Um, speaking of voices, and I'm going to get into the rise of Skywalker a little later. I got to mention uh, the latest Afra issue, I believe Afra number six could be wrong. Of course. Great series really going back to Afra's roots in <laughs> the weird fantasy ancient exploration but there's a beautiful wild moment where Ronin Tag the descendant of, of, of the Taga line tagline T-A-G-G-E he makes a serious comment talking about that's the mark of a good storyteller knowing how to end a saga <laughs> and I was astounded I was floored I think they got some cover. They put it in the voice of the villain, but clearly, this is somebody. You know, the maybe the storyteller, or the author, Amy uh, Chow, I believe her name is, um, making this claim that the Rise of Skywalker did not <laughs> finish the saga very well, did not end the story, and I'm going to get into some specifics about that in a bit. Um, Gonna get another swig of water, and yeah, we'll let's, let's dive in. So, and I don't know how long this is gonna be, but might as well dive in. Things I've been thinking about. Well, this come up. So this is a spoiler alert for Mando episode one. If you haven't been watching, Cobb Vanth. Who who'd have thought? I mean, we thought we sus suspected that Timothy Oliphant would be Cobb Vanth, and uh, when <laughs> I'm watching this here in this basement by myself and, and like I'm Cobb Vanth, the Marshal of Mos Pelgo. And I lift, raise my hands, raise my arms in excitement because they actually did it. They actually brought him in this character that shows up cool character, cool little story, but it's a little story. It's three interludes in, uh, in, in the, the aftermath trilogy. And I'm all, they actually, did it right? I mean, again, we suspected with the 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 some of the Boba Fett armor, um, spec suspected you know, different things going on on Tatooine. Who is the person approaching Fennec Shin? Is it is it Cobb Vanth? Is it Boba Fett? Is it Rex? Or who knows what? The fact that they did it uh, is astounding, and I'm gonna get into that a little more. What is interesting is that they change up his story a little bit. They 
and and again credit to you know my probably one of my favorite definitely one of my favorite youtube channels i mentioned alex damon a lot star was explained you know he meant he goes into the way so in the novels they actually the 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 villagers in Mospelgo, freetown whatever you want to call it they partner with the tuscans this is just in the year after endor so the year before jack two partner with the tuscans to ward off this uh, criminal syndicate posing as the mining as a mining company you know how many mining companies are actually criminal syndicates that's another fun question <laughs> um but yeah they, they team up and they and then after they drive out the criminal syndicate then there's peace between the tuscans and, and the human largely humans and other species in Mos Pelgo. Um, what this story tells us you know, th there are flashbacks with cop story and, and alex goes into how that mostly lines up but points out the this the story that we get in this episode is there's still tension and animosity and uh, a lot of distrust as if uh the the villagers and the tuscans have never cooperated and, and have always had this this tension and it's it's an important tension to name that we encounter in our world especially in canada i mean it's a very it's a it's a very pointed conflict in canada there's a clear indigenous parallel going on with the tuscans in that and this is really one of the first times at least in canon i guess in legends they explore it a little more in canon the tuscans all well yeah they, they definitely do i think in john jackson miller's novel kenobi in, in the outlander comic but here we're getting it again in mandalorian in canon uh they feel like all these humans have been invaders kind of all kind of like the the way the youngins felt about the naboo you know. but of course they share this desert plain and this territory and these resources and this moisture and this water and that that fight comes up that conflict or, or disagreement argument comes up in the episode the story yeah so the story we get in the episode is that they haven't that the tension is still there five years after yeah five years after indoor so there's a discontinuity there we see the big unifier of them, them fighting the crate dragon and of course mando the hero kills the crate dragon and and then there's peace and then there's cooperation um, because they all come together it's sort of like uh like ahsoka's lightsabers in uh, yeah well well in the whole age of empire and they're, they're going well not in the age of empire just shortly after revenge of the sith when she's in hiding um you know the that whole thing right we how uh in in southern ontario's ek johnson's novel uh ahsoka her lightsabers were green that's uh, you know that, i mean they were green in clone wars initially and then when she gets a new pair yeah they're, they're green again why not that's how we got it and then it shows up and uh we, we show, show up in clone wars season seven and what do we have was anakin very heartfelt moment giving her blue lightsabers <laughs> what so and and, and so we, we ask you know 
what gives, right? Why are why is there this conflict between what's in a book and what's on the screen, both in terms of the deeper story of Tuscans and maybe this detail about Ahsoka's lightsabers. I'm sure there's others that are smaller. I'm going to get to the big egregious ones uh, in a second. But, you know, people raise this question, okay, how much do the novels count, <laughs> right? Um, what, in what way do they count? But there's also this thing of, and I think it may be, I don't know if there's overlap or not, but maybe folks who are all, oh yeah, I was all the Legends EU continuity, which kind of went all over the place. I was fine with, people were fine with that. But now you say, oh, we, everything's connected and counts. A lot of people, I mean, we spend, it's an important question because, you know, we spend, those of us who spend all this money and time reading these books and these comics, hoping, well, hoping for a coherent story. And that's what we've been sold, what we've been promised. I hate to use the economic metaphor, but literally, actually, what we've been sold <laughs> is a coherent story. Um, and so, you know, the, when these details are off, how can we reconcile them? Maybe we get we feel frustrated or stressed. What gives? Um, here I go. Well, let me tell you this. Those two examples are nothing compared to, or no, they're not nothing. They're completely other. They're qualitatively other to what we got in Rise of the Skywalker, where there is a hotshot director, billionaire director, who got the Mission Impossible name, got the Lost name, and I really wish, really wish Kathleen Kennedy, and, and um, this is not a Kennedy, Kathleen Kennedy bashing thing. This is a J.J. Chris Terrio kind of, I don't like to use the word bashing, but eh. Which they'd said, look, we've established these connections already in the books and in the comics. And, you know, they're, they won't, people who don't see these connections, they won't necessarily catch it either way maybe they will but you know it doesn't doesn't really matter that much i'm thinking of uh, of two things in particular uh, i'm thinking of when the fact that wedge dies not wedge sorry the fact that snap dies snap crashes his his fighter supposedly i have a theory about that snap crashes his fighter and then wedge flies in all hunky-dory that's egregious to me, right? Uh, not even knowing. It's, it's this horrible editing job already, but it's so jarring and throws you off if you just read, uh, Ri what's it called? Not Rise of the Resistance. Uh, Resistance Reborn, the Wreck of Roll Horse. If you've read the Aftermath trilogy, if you've seen the way Snap, Nor, and Wedge have come together as a family. To the point where uh, where Snap is able to call Wedge his dad. I mean, I, I don't necessarily know too many people who have been adopted, but that's an incredibly powerful moment, I gather. An incredibly essential, powerful moment because, you know, there, as, I, as I said, you know, a few, a few weeks ago, 
birth birth parentage is part of your identity. Found parentage, adoptive parentage is also a part of your identity, even as an adult, right? That doesn't matter. So, so Snap is already a married man who's gone off. By the way, <laughs> in the comics, he's a married man. And to have the same character, Legend Hillies, which, you know, fan favorite from from the, 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 the second trilogy, fan favorite from the Legends uh, X-Wing books. Great. That's fine. You know, I know him, of course, you know, he showed up in Rebels 2, one of his origins, but the deepest family personal connections I see are from the Aftermath trilogy and Resistance Reborn. For him to fly in all hunky-dory, great, we're here to save the day, woohoo, just after his adoptive son has died. Like, it, it, you th if you think it'd be one of the ones that uh, that Pablo and Kathleen uh, uh, and Dave Filoni and, and, and Matt Martin, them, great people, they're amazing. I'm not. I'm not bashing them. I'm saying, I wish there was a situ There was the the institutional situation. I hope for the institutional situation going forward. They. I mean, they probably. My guess is they agree <laughs> with what I'm saying. Um, they could have gone to JJ and Chris Terrio and said, "No, you, you got to do this. You got to do that." Fortunately, JJ too powerful. Um, the worst one. The worst. The most egregious one is uh is poe dameron poe dameron drug dealer so they missed the opportunity to tell a wonderful adoptive story with with snap and wedge drug dealer poe dameron when shadowed the shadowed empire comic when uh the the poe dameron comic resistance even the um uh the the what's it called the behind the scenes books for blanking on the visual dictionaries those things um and if especially the last jedi have set up poe to be the respect of respectful you know respectful son of heroes of of endor his parents literally fought at endor grew up on yavin leia's his mentor for life, lifelong mentor, a Hispanic American Latinx folk who who is committed to contributing to society, and that that's the story that's set up. And yes, in Last Jedi, he has character flaws, <laughs> he has leadership questions. Um, he has this conflict with Holdo and with Leia. Uh, but those, I, I I, mean, someone please correct me if I'm wrong. I don't read those as racist stereotypes. I read, read those as human. <laughs> and, and an incredible human arc. Because Leia sees how much Poe loves and respects his team, his squadron, the other pilots. Leia wants, Leia's whole thing is she wants him to learn how to share that with the whole fleet leia sees him as taking over very clearly in the last jedi and and we, that comes up also in the podamron comic they had the opportunity to tell the story of countless hispanic americans countless 
Latinx, countless immigrants, countless folks who are part of the American military, you know, Hispanic Canadians, part of Canadian society too, and the global society, global community, people of color, people from different cultures. And instead, what they do is say, no, you know what would be cool? JJ, JJ and Terry, I, I think I can see them saying, you know what would be cool? Let's make him a drug dealer. Let's make him a spice runner. That'd be cool, right? Not cool, JJ. Like, that's especially in a climate with a president saying he's going to send them all to their crap hole countries. You had the opportunity to tell a story that is meaningful and representative and in line and continuity with uh, with what has come before and what we've invested in. This is my rant. This is kind of why I want to make this podcast tonight. <laughs> I'm going for it. Had the opportunity to tell that story and continue it and carry it on and finish it. And instead, you, you take the lazy, lazy route. There could have been, you know, okay, you wanted to get the Kijimi and Zori and Babu Frick. Fine. That's, 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 that's all right. There could have been other ways. It could have been even a New Republic mission. Because that's the thing. He was part of the New Republic Navy. And Leia convinces him that there's this real threat in the First Order. And he has to defect from the New Republic to join the Resistance. Sure. Um, because she sees him not just as this incredible pilot, but the potential for an incredible leader. Um, there could have been a way to get to Kijimi and Zori. Uh, what if one of his New Republic missions went south because of his leadership questions that were brought up in The Last Jedi? Right there. Why not, right? That's believable. That makes sense. That's maybe the regrets of his past coming back to haunt him. That's relatable. That's human. Right? Instead, drug dealer Poe. It's the only way to get to Kijimi. Fine. So, those are the stories we're invested in. I'm going to take a bit of a water break. One second. Our two can join us. He agrees with me, apparently. So then let's get back to the happier stuff Cobb Vanth Ahsoka's lightsabers so what differentiates those two is does it tell a compelling story over a longer time right the thing is these are both interludes details things that could be changed things you, you read the interlude and say okay Sure. Um, I don't know how to... You can't really reconcile them. But my point is, you don't really need to. Another possibility is the unreliable narrator. That is an out a little bit. Um, that's the out that actually in the, uh, the, the, the Afro audiobook we do get. Because when she's relating stories that happen in their theater comic, they don't exactly happen the same way she relates them more favorably that's intentional it's an intentional story choice the unreliable narrator maybe Cobb is doing that a little bit but I don't think so that doesn't seem to make sense 
um, you know, clearly the, the, the lightsaber thing, while you can actually, in reprints, I'm guessing uh, they actually just changed green to blue in the, in the book. That's fine. It's a question of what we focus on when we want a coherent story. Because here's the thing. Here's the beautiful, amazing, exciting thing. Here's why I cheered with Cobb Vanth. Here's why the blue lightsabers... And then here's why the blue lightsabers fit so perfectly. So in contrast to all this almost compulsive nostalgia about Rise of Skywalker. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's my... Uh, sorry. There, the thing, this is the thing about Rise. Let me just take, it, take a step back. The things about Rise that I enjoy, I really enjoy. The, the lore. The, the things that... The dyad. The... the, the the strands that could be picked up on in a later story because JJ is actually good at that. Things I dislike about Rise. I mean, Rose, you want to talk about the lack of continuity, Rose's story it just gets dropped. Um, she's going to have for sure more in the Lego, <laughs> uh, Lego Christmas special coming up. Anyway, what was I saying? Um, here's the thing you know, again, the excessive nostalgia, compulsive nostalgia of Rise. They were very at risk. I think Mandalorian was at risk of what I want to call compulsive nostalgia. Of merely going back to Tatooine because it's cool to go back to Tatooine. Like at the end of Rise of Skywalker where Ray goes back to Luke's hut and that scene may have done something for you. Did nothing for me. Well, sure we go back to Mos Eisley, but uh, you know we, we don't go... We go to the, the bar and whatnot, but really we go to the character we met, I'm blanking on her name, in the, in the hangar bay. And we continue the story of her loving and, and connecting with the child. We go back to Tatooine. We don't go back to some form of Jabba's palace just because we're nostalgic about Return of the Jedi, which, you know, we are. We love Return of the Jedi. But it just doesn't make sense in the story to do that. Especially if he's hunting down a lead for Mandalorian armor. It does not make as much sense for it to be Boba Fett in, uh, <laughs> in Jabba's palace. It makes entirely makes sense for it to be Cobb Vant in Freetown in Mos Pelgrim. Right? And, and integrating that into everything that's gone on with Din, with armor generally, and who is worthy of the, this creed and this code after the fall of the Empire, after the Purge, as these Mandalorians are all in hiding, after we, we even get the story you know, in, in Cobb's retelling of it, after Endor, after uh, the Empire pulls out and uh, mining mining company crime syndicates start to take over fill the vacuum and Cobb Vanth that's the story Cobb Vanth coming in and setting up Freetown and defending them with the armor that's the story that's where it is at and so that's what excites me again is that investment from I guess four or five years ago whenever Empire's End finally came out that paid off so well because 
it fits with everything. It fits together within story and the child's story. For, you know, fits with you know, well, Din trying to find at least the first. You know, his first step is to find more Mandalorians because that's what he knows. It fits with the galactic story with the Empire receding and the New Republic just not being really there very much. Uh, we get New Republic in today's episode, this morning's episode, but a little bit, but still. It's fringe, outer rim, patrol. Spoiler alert there. <laughs> um, and yeah, and it fits with Tatooine's story. The hot power vacuum. He didn't need to go into the whole thing with the hot wing. I think that's cool, but I get that he didn't need to go into that. Um, and that does, and that's not contradicted at all. That could still be there. Malakili and the, the hot wing could still be in that school. We might get back to that. That would be really cool. But the story and the focus needed to be told. Uh, it is what needed to be told. So what I mean there then with the discontinuity so that overshadows any sort of discontinuity, right? The general broad strokes, the the payoff for the investment. Okay. So what they're saying is, okay, well, actually part of this ongoing story is still ongoing tensions with the Tuscans. We get the 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 indigenous parallel uh, a bit more. We get them moving through in, in a similar way but four years later four and a half years later whenever um, it's a compelling story right it's an exciting episode <laughs> it's a good character growth again for for din in at least being exposed to but also still committing to the creed when it comes to the armor it works is what I'm getting to say. It, you know, it, it it fits the timeline. I'm satisfied. I hope you are too. Ahsoka's lightsabers, that's easy. That hit all the 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 the, the feels when it comes to again the heart and soul of what this podcast is about. Um, in terms of you know. It, it, it's the, the, the family connection between Anakin and Ahsoka. Right? I mean, they make that pretty explicit, pretty clear that they, you know, Anakin still has this, this deep affection and care for this person who was his Padawan. Ahsoka has that. My elder brother taught me that line from the Martez arc. Even though she can't really express it because she's a lot more wary of of working with Jedi understandably so Anakin and she's moved on like Dave Filoni gives the example of someone you know who goes away to college and comes back home Dave goes away to university sorry I'm uncaring goes away to university and comes back home uh, they uh They've changed. People at home expect them to be still the same. Oh, yeah, the same relationship. No. Younger sister comes back from, from the year in university, and the older brother 
wants to hang out. Say they had a good relationship. Only wants to hang out. She's older. She's got her own concerns. She's far more capable. She's clearly very capable. But there's still this way of expressing this bond and this connection. You know, the blue lightsabers. Anakin joking, I improved them. <laughs> I made a little improvement. So it's about Anakin's relationship with Ahsoka, which is at the heart of what Clone Wars, the whole series is. I mean, everything happens around it, but that's the personal story there. And then we have that last shot. And I'm getting kind of welling guy about it. It's also about Anakin's relationship to himself. Because Ahsoka becomes a part of himself, right? She is family just about the way Padme and Luke are family. This is yet another person who this hotshot, traumatized, you know, thrill-seeking kid actually takes to himself and really does care for and really does would have her grow beyond him right that's these moments of of mastery that anakin actually shows um, these moments of mastery that anakin forgets or darth vader is the attempt to forget Anakin Skywalker. But then we get that last shot of Darth Vader in the snow, seeing Ahsoka's face in the, the helmet and igniting a blue lightsaber. Right? I'm getting goosebumps remembering or goosebumps thinking about uh, the power that that must have had in, you know, I keep talking about this. Anakin finding a way through. Finding a way to remember himself. Even against all odds. <laughs> I'd say, and I think E.K. Johnson would say, yeah, that's, that's worth a little change in the detail, right? It's an incredibly compelling story. It just underlies just how important Ahsoka is in, in his return. I wonder if even that moment is part of, uh, I mean, that's what I'm saying here, you know, that moment of seeing her face in the, in the mask, in the, the clone mask, or clone helmet, and igniting her blue lightsaber is, we don't quite know when this takes place. It doesn't really matter. This, this scene, it's a number of years later, clearly, um, into the Empire, but, that's got to be a moment that sticks with him, that he keeps trying to push down. Got to be one of the things, along with all the explorations of Padme, that forces itself up to the surface when Luke throws away his blue lightsaber. Or no, I guess it's his green lightsaber. But when Luke throws away his lightsaber and says, Father, please. So, you know. It, these details, I like them. I, I, you know, man, I love these details, right? That's, I'm here for them. 
uh, you know, the, the fact that the uh, the um, Boba Fett's jetpack is damaged in the exact same spot, or is rep- there's a repair thing in the exact same spot that Han damaged it in Return of the Jedi. We see that in Mando. Great. Love that detail. If they forgot it, they missed it, well, whatever. Changing those details compared to changing a whole storyline for pretty lazy racist ways. There's a lot of thought that clearly went into what story with Cobb Vanth are we telling here? With Mando are we telling here? What story with Ahsoka and Anakin and Vader are we telling here? That's, that's all really I'm asking for. That's what I'm asking for with creatives. Is to do some thinking. Is to think clearly about what the overall story is. What the character stories are. I think it's, again, going back to the, the, the Afro-comic. It's funny. gives me hope, actually. That they're going to be able to keep it keep a closer lid on some of these things. Um, again, High Republic, they're all literally in the room together back when it was safe to do that. Now they're definitely on constant chat with each other, making sure things not just line up in a rigid technical sense. These are incredible storytellers who who want to make sure things line up in a compelling way. So... If there are some details that are off here or there, unreliable narrators here or there, uh, okay. I'm looking forward to all the connections. I'm literally being sold them <laughs> um, with High Republic. With with the Thrawn trilogy, although the fun thing about Thrawn, uh, yeah, I'll get to that. when I, I'll give, give a review there but when, when I'm done it, but Thrawn, Thrawn Ascendancy. Zahn, Timothy Zahn, can actually go nuts and create a whole other thing. Uh, but even then, it has to be internally consistent. Right? That's one of the things we love about this universe, about canon continuity. Yeah, same with Marvel. I mean, I think Marvel did it in such a, a much more compact way. And if and and if more disciplined way, not far more disciplined, a more disciplined way. Star Trek tried; it's it's a lot better now. <laughs> Put it that way. Um, yeah, tell me a good story, honestly. And it, if changing a detail makes the story better, okay, but don't just feed me nostalgia. Go back to a place because it makes sense. This has been episode 66 of For Christ's Sake, Anakin. Um, well, yeah, just another little detail, right? Just the, the, the thing. You know, I, I'm pretty sure Darth Sidious did every single time didn't say Commander so-and-so, Commander so-and-so, Captain so-and-so, CT4529 so-and-so. The time has come. He gave general orders and, you know, but what we see on screen, it's a reflection, a depiction. It's a mythology. And the authors, creators are trying to make a coherent one. Anyway, 
this has been episode 66 of for christ's sake anakin you can follow me on twitter at neug485 follow me on instagram at mneug1138 thanks for listening may the force be with you always